Welcome to Living Water, the teaching ministry of Jacksonville Presbyterian Church. This week, Pastor Dustin Jernigan begins a new series, Summer in the Psalms. In this message, Pastor Dustin asks us who we are listening to in this time of unprecedented media assault, with countless voices expertly vying for our attention. As pointed out in Psalm 1 and reaffirmed throughout the Bible, our blessings come from drawing on the light of God's Word, not the wicked counsel of men. If we focus on His Word, all the unimportant things fade into the background, allowing us to accept the strength of Christ through the good and the bad. Now, Living Water. Amen. If you would, while you're still standing, grab your Bibles, open up to Psalm 1. If you don't have a print Bible, there are blue hardback Bibles all throughout the room. Grab one of those and open up to page 528. Uh, I'd love for everybody to have a print copy of God's Word open in front of them. We're looking at Psalm chapter 1 this morning, page 528. If you're using one of the blue Bibles, we're looking at Psalm chapter one, and uh, if you're just joining us, we are starting a new summer series that will last through July called Summer in the Psalms, uh, which is why I parked my bike here in front of the, that's not my bike, I'm just joking. (laughs) But if you'll notice, uh, we're gonna be adding stuff to the stage all summer. The theme is summertime, and we're gonna spend the summer uh, in the Psalms. Uh, So with that, let's read Psalm one together. Uh, You'll hear me read it, follow along in your print Bible. Christian, hear God's word to you this morning. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does... He prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. For in the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Would you be seated and keep your Bible open? Let's pray. Uh, Father, we pray that we would hear you. Holy Spirit, even now, would you give us the mind of Christ to understand your word, which became flesh in Jesus Christ, who dwelt among us. May we see him. And Father, would we trust and love your word? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, who do you listen to? Who do you listen to? How do you decide um, who's worth trusting? I think that's really like the question of our time, isn't it? Who are you going to listen to? Um, is, is, the, is the right wing or the left wing getting better and more vocal? Is the secular movement becoming more and more compelling and better articulated? Or is it the Christian evangelical movement Friends, I think the, the, the tyranny of our time is that actually they're both true. We're all getting better and more prominent at communicating what we believe. And it creates a fog of confusion, doesn't it? I mean, you have the news in your pocket right now. It's pinging at you, just begging you to read it. You woke up to it. It was thinking about you before you woke up this morning. And it will be thinking about you when you go to sleep. And friends, it is a fickle lover because you will be pining for her as well. 
So who are you going to listen to? Let me just sort of explain, if you don't already know, how, how um, deeply difficult it is to know who to listen to. Um, you may not know this, but uh, the country of Australia, since 2015, um, has, has been on a rampage. Uh, they have killed hundreds of thousands of innocent cats. I'm sorry, cat people. I really am. I should have given you a trigger warning, but you may have already known this. But indeed, actually, the, the country of Australia in 2015 stated that their goal was to put to death two million cats. Two million cats. The New York Times in April actually wrote, um, it wasn't a comedy piece, but man, did it read like one. Also, I'm not a cat person. I'm sorry, cat people. But Australia actually created poison-filled sausage that they dropped from airplanes over Australia, hoping that the cats would eat it and then die. Now, why in the world is Australia trying to kill cats? What do the cats ever do? Well, you know any bird people? You know any birders? Australia today has killed about 212,000 cats in their program, uh, but it's estimated that in Australia alone, 377 million birds are killed by feral cats every year. 645 million reptiles are killed every year. And in America, just for a frame of reference, it's believed that free-roaming cats, you know, not the cat that's your pet, the free-roaming cats in town, kill up to 4 billion birds a year and up to 22 billion mammals. Um, native species in Australia are all dying off because of feral cats. So you know what's happening in Australia? The cat people hate the bird people. And they're all sending each other death threats. It's the clash. Who wins in that fight? Are you going to defend the helpless birds or defend the helpless feral cats? Who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to listen to on that? Uh, friends, um, you and I are living in a fog of confusion, and both sides of any issue are getting better and better at communicating their stance. For every you know, great video on YouTube that you can watch from the International Space Station looking down at planet Earth, uh, there's a follow-up video explaining why the Earth is flat. Have you noticed that? Everybody's getting better at communicating their worldview. So how in the world are you, Christian, going to decide who to listen to? Uh, you know, too often I find Christians say, well, you know, when it comes to matters of faith, there's just a bunch of perspectives. You know, life is so complicated today. And Christian, I want to remind you of uh, something John MacArthur said. Uh, Christian, God spoke and he didn't mutter. God spoke. And if you recognize it as God's word, it's actually pretty understandable. Remember, it was uh, Mark Twain that said, it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that trouble me. It's the parts that I do. So who are you going to listen to? Uh, well, friends, my suggestion to you this morning is uh, just as it was during the time that the Psalms were being written, um, the question of the day is who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to trust? And the gateway, the entrance to the book of Psalms, um, the great tuning fork that we are supposed to set the melody of our lives to is God's word. And that's exactly where Psalms begins. And that's exactly what Psalm 1 is all about. Look at Psalm 1 again with me. 
blessed, happy, fortunate. Blessed is the man who doesn't listen to the counsel of wicked people, who doesn't hang around with sinners, and who doesn't listen to the reasoning and the thoughts of those who scoff at God. But instead, he fills his mind, he loves, he delights, he rejoices in the Torah, the law, the instruction, the wisdom of the Lord, and on God's law, not the news. He wakes up day and night thinking about. A man like that is like a tree that bears its fruit when it's time. And whatever he does prospers. He's rightly aligned. But this this isn't the way that everybody lives. Look at verse four. There are some who reject God's word, who don't listen to God's counsel. But their lives, they don't count towards anything. They're like the chaff that the wind casts away. When they would bring in the wheat, the kernels would fall and the chaff would just be the husks. The useless, inedible husk would pass away and be driven out by the wind. That's like the life of someone who doesn't know that at the end of everything, all you really have is your relationship with the Lord and the lives you invest in. That's the kernel. Everything else is a husk. And it goes on, and this world isn't the end. Instead, each one of us, as the New Testament tells us, will stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive in his body what he has done in this life, whether good or ill. The wicked who turn away from God will not be able to stand that judgment. But there's hope for the righteous. And the hope is in verse six, for the Lord knows. In Hebrew, it's the word yivah. It's the word that the Bible uses when it said, and Adam knew Eve, his wife. God doesn't just hover over our world. He's intimately close to his people. He knows and he loves and he has a relationship with the righteous. But the wicked pass away from meaninglessness to meaninglessness. Who are you going to listen to, friend? I know you don't want to listen to people. I know we're skeptical of authority. And we've all got good reason, right? We've all got good reason to be skeptical of people. Uh, But friends, uh, the hope in the midst of a fog of confusion is not finding (laughs) the right people to listen to. The hope, the only thing that actually cuts through the fog is the light of God's word. That's it. (laughs) That's the only thing that's going to pierce through the fog. I remember uh, years ago, uh, meeting with a woman uh, who was struggling in her marriage and she was having an affair and she wanted to know what I thought. (laughs) And I was like, you know what I do, right? The person that she was struggling with was her spiritual leader who said it was okay. Friends, there's a reason we're skeptical of authority. There's a reason we don't trust people. And you and I have good reason. And you know what cuts through the fog? You know what the only thing that cuts through the fog is? It's God's word. It's listening 
and meditating on the law, the instruction of God himself. And friends, um, don't use the excuse, well, there's a bunch of interpretations to God's word, so who can really know it? Uh, Friend, do you really have that low view of the Holy Spirit? Do you really think the Holy Spirit is not able to guide you into all truth? Does he not speak today? Do you not have the mind of Christ? Christian, does God not speak clearly enough for you to understand? Christian, he does. He does. What you and I are called to do is to delight and to love and cherish it and to recognize it as it is the light that cuts through the fog. Who could you trust? So let's unpack this psalm. Let me show you what this would look like. First off, it says, blessed is the man And when you think about blessing, it doesn't always mean, right, that you're going to be happy and healthy and wealthy, right? The mortality rate is pretty high for humans. Your health is going to fail you at some point. That's not what it means to be blessed. It can mean that, but friends, the blessing, the blessed life is not me-focused. It's a life that is God-focused, that sees the greatest blessing is not what I get in this life, but a life lived with Jesus himself. Um, Think about it this way. You know, one of people's favorite Bible verses is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I remember my my roommate in college was a lot smarter than me. He he went to pharmacy school. And I remember he would memorize these chemical compounds on these little note cards. And he would pace around our apartment and he would say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's what he would tell himself about how he could memorize those passages. Uh, But friends, if you read the broader context of Philippians, Paul's not writing from a standpoint of victory. He's writing from a jail cell. And he's writing to a church that had really abandoned him as he had been imprisoned. And now they'd finally remembered and sent him some aid. And he says, I'm so thankful that now you are finally reviving your concern for me. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, because I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to be brought high. In every circumstance, I have learned the secret in facing plenty and in want abundance and in need. In fact, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, what Paul's saying is, I can endure suffering and hardship because Christ will strengthen me through it. Uh, Philippians 4.13 doesn't mean you're going to succeed and get into the college you want to get into. What it means is you cannot get into the college you want to, not have the career you want to, and you're going to be just fine because you have learned the secret of everything, that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So which one of those has more profound faith, you think? Declaring the goodness and the mercy of God in the midst of suffering or in the midst of plenty? Paul writing from a jail cell. This is what it means to be blessed. And this starts to shed light on exactly how Jesus was the blessed man. Uh, Friends, don't miss that. This is what Psalm 1 is all pointing towards. Blessed is the man the ish, the man, the male, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor listens to the advice of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. Uh, Friends, who is the ultimate man? (laughs) Who is the ultimate blessed man by God who actually obeyed and delighted in God's law? It was Christ. He was the man. He is the blessed man that this psalm is all pointing towards. You see, friends, 
a life lived listening to the voice of God and not giving in to the fog. Uh, Friends, it's a life that comes into high definition around the person and the work of Jesus Christ. You see, we're supposed to listen to the word and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he was from God and he was God. And he came, um, as one pastor put it, uh, Jesus um, doesn't provide an airtight argument. He provides an airtight person. And every great word to be understood must become flesh. And that's what Jesus is to us. You see, Jesus was like a tree planted by streams of water. And notice that, you know, the the good tree, I love this illustration. It's a little bit of a nuance, but the tree doesn't yield fruit constantly, right? The point of a tree is it has to grow and it's maturing. And then at harvest time, it produces its fruit, right? And it does what it was designed to do. You know, Jesus didn't spend his whole life preaching. He spent about his first 30 years doing God's will, working as a carpenter and at the right time, proclaim the kingdom of God. You see, Christian, when we look at this, we realize that uh, our lives, um, you know, if we listen to the world, your life is only, um, you know, fulfilling and purposeful for as much as um, you can sort of project meaning and purpose onto it. You know, this is the kind of stuff we tell our kids, you can be whatever you want. Uh, Friends, that is a crushing weight to make your child justify their own existence through what they achieve. Friends, the hope of the gospel is not that your kids will justify their existence. The hope is that God has prepared good works for us in advance that we should walk in them. That God has designed you in a way that you will bear much fruit. You will have a life of purpose. (laughs) You will do what God has called you to do if you follow his ways. That's the hope of the Christian life. It's not that we're all famous or beautiful or healthy. It's that we get to live in the good and the bad with Jesus himself. And that when it's time, we will bear the fruit we were designed to bear. Uh, Friends, that's an adventure and that's something your children can live into. You know, something like 50% of Americans never think about life after death nowadays. It's kind of, kind of amazing, but not really if you've ever watched Netflix, right? If you ever have a deep thought, you know, there's this little voice in the back of your mind that says, but there's probably something to binge watch right now. Don't self-reflect. You know, but the Bible is sort of um, unapologetic that you and I um, face an eternity, right? And it's uncomfortable to think about. I'll be honest, it is really uncomfortable to think about heaven and hell. Uh, But friends, our feelings about truth don't actually affect the truth, right? That's not how you derive that truth. It it, it doesn't matter your feelings about cancer. Cancer's real. It doesn't matter our feelings about wildfires. That doesn't stop lightning from striking, right? Our feelings don't determine how we arrive at truth. The truth does. And this is a sobering thought, but this is a thought that the Bible um, unapologetically puts forward to us that there will come a day that there is a judgment, that we will stand before God and we will either spend eternity with him or eternity away from him. So what in the world is the hope? Christian, I want you to grasp this 
And if you grasp it, it'll change everything about your life. If you let it. Christian, the reason you and I do not fear the judgment, we do not fear the wrath of God, is because Jesus already faced the full wrath of God for us on the cross. He bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Friends, your hope of standing before the judgment of God is not in your own righteousness. It is in the righteousness of Christ that he earned on your behalf. Friend, it is the great exchange of eternity. Jesus' righteousness is credited to our account. And the guilt of our sin was credited to him on the cross. It's the great exchange of the gospel. And friends, if you let it, you know what that message profoundly does to somebody? It humbles you in a way you'll, you would never otherwise be humble. You would be um, sympathetic and compassionate to people stuck in their sins because you would know that you're only saved by grace. And you would know that grace had an enormous price tag, Jesus' own blood. So the gospel will both humble you in a profound way, and yet you will never doubt your value or your worth because you will see what price God was willing to pay for you. Uh, Friends, it's a paradox, but it's the paradox of the gospel. Your value and your humility will continue to expand and to expand. The New Testament picks up on this. Uh, Judgment is not just something we find in the Old Testament. John, Jesus' best friend, picks up on this judgment. Listen to what he says in his letter, 1 John chapter 4. He He says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and him in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God. By this, we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as Jesus is, so we will be. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And we love because he first loved us. Christian, who are you going to listen to? Are you going to walk in the counsel of scoffers? Are you going to listen to the counsel of people that hate Christ and his message? It's the question of our time. The easy answer is just to opt out and never make a decision. But friends, that really is a decision, right? That's not how Jesus offers the gospel. He says, take up your cross and follow me. Christian, meditate, meditate day and night on his law and trust it for as it is. And the Holy Spirit in you will lead you to all truth. Let me just finish with one practical, a couple of practical, how how can you do this? How can you study God's law? Listen to him alone. Um, This one's really hard, so I need you to pay attention. The first way you do it is you take the bookmark that I gave you (laughs) and you read God's word every day. There are three psalms, morning, noon, and night. Don't sleep next to your phone this summer. It's probably giving you cancer, for all we know. (laughs) It's probably also really bad for your soul. Sleep next to a Bible, 
and read it. Meditate on it day and night. What do you think that would, just do a thought experiment. What do you think would happen to you by the end of July if you actually put the phone down and read God's word morning, noon, and night for the next two months? What do you think would happen? You think you'd be more patient with your kids? You think when you talk to your kids about the gospel, it may actually be a little bit more winsome and compelling? You think you'd know how to talk to your grandkids, your neighbors, your wife? So that's the first way. Get into his word. Read it with us this summer. Let's do it in community. If you have questions about some of the Psalms you've read, email me. Email Richard. We're here. Read his word. And the other way, friend, the other way, the other way is to ask every time you read his word, how has Jesus fulfilled this for me? How has Jesus fulfilled these commands on my behalf? And how does the Holy Spirit empower me to love this, to want to obey him, to see Christ? You know, Jesus told the Pharisees who had the book of Psalms memorized, he says, you search the scriptures because in them you think you'll find eternal life, but it is they that testify of me. Uh, Friends, you can spend your whole life reading the Bible and if you miss Jesus, you miss the whole thing. Do you see how this is all pointing to Jesus? How are you going to stand the judgment in Christ alone? That's how. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, that it is a light to our feet and a lamp unto our path. Uh, Father, we uh, confess it is so hard to know who to listen to. Uh, We have trust issues. And so, Father, uh, as we read your word this summer, would we come to know and to trust your character and to believe when you speak? Uh, Give us the mind of Christ, uh, who even on the cross was speaking words of Scripture. Uh, Father, thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, um, in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, that he might show us what it looks like to delight in your word. Uh, Father, would we be a people that is steeped in your word, and would we love you more and more because of it? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We'd like to invite you to worship with us Sunday mornings at 8.30 or 10.30 a.m. in our sanctuary at 425 Middle Street in Jacksonville. For more information, call 899-1287 or visit our website. Join us next week at this same time for more of Living Water, the teaching ministry of Jacksonville Presbyterian Church.